Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Dan Lobby. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. We're doing our game preview for the Steelers and the Browns on Sunday. A little bit of an old school preview here. We're going to do prop bets. We're going to do our game picks. Lance Riceland is going to join us as well. But first, what we're going to do is we're going to have Mary Kay jump on and she's going to talk to us about her Jadavion Clowney story that posted on cleveland.com slash Browns on Thursday, actually in the middle of recording. So Here's kind of a layout of what you're going to hear. So first, it's going to be Mary Kay, Doug Maurice, Ashley Bastock, and me. We're going to be in the first segment talking about the clowny story. Then we're going to go to prop bets. Uh, Mary Kay is not in that section. Irie Harris is in that section for prop bets. Then you're going to hear from Lance Riceland. And then Mary Kay is going to rejoin Doug, Ashley, and me. We're going to make our game picks after that. So that's coming up here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Let's get to it. Here's Mary Kay Cabot telling us all about her story that she posted on Thursday night about Jadavion Clowney and his future here in Cleveland. The headline of this story, Jadavion Clowney, quote, 95% sure I won't be back. I need to be around somebody that believes in me. Um, pull the curtain back just a little bit. I actually saw Mary Kay working uh, this story in the locker room today, talking to Jadavion one-on-one. Mary Kay, there's a lot in this story. Folks should go read it. Uh, it's that right there at cleveland.com slash Browns. It's on your Twitter, uh, at Mary Kay Cabot. I don't know why anybody wouldn't be following you who's listening to this podcast, but just in case. Uh, I guess I guess tell us about the story. Like, what, what is the big takeaway from this story? Well, you know, the big takeaway, I think, is the fact that this has been bubbling under the surface all season long. He's been unhappy. Other times that I've just checked in with him, to see how he's doing, uh, you know, to just kind of chit chat with him a little bit like we do, you know, uh, you know, you could tell that, that he had something that he wanted to say and the timing just so happened to be right today. I just, you know, I saw him in there. I just walked up. I asked him how he was doing. I was asking, you know, just kind of how he was feeling, how his holidays were, you know, just kind of saying hi. And he's, you know, sort of, launched into it, uh, you know, a little bit, I, I may have asked him, you know, something about um, coming back next year. I might've thrown that out there. Like Merry Christmas. Do you think you'll be back next year? I don't know. I can't remember exactly how uh, we got rolling into it, but, um, but he, wa- this is something that he wanted to say. And as I was telling you guys, before we came on, you know, we have such a responsibility when we cover a football team, you know, we have to get it right. And with a story like this, you know, I don't want to be the reason he doesn't end up back here because I wrote this story. But as Dan was saying, you know, this is, this was probably just the explanation of why he probably wasn't going to come back anyways. Um, This has been going on all season long where he feels like um, that they have taken him, you know, off of, a favorable matchup and put miles onto to the more favorable matchup with someone flip flopped them and switched size. And he, and you know, so therefore he's not able to get the sacks, not able to get the pressures. And he only has two sacks this season. And I think it just has, it's such a buildup in his mind. Like, Hey, that this is not what I am about. He, you know, he told me he easily should have had 10 sacks this season. 
He believes that he'll get back to that level of play next season. He mentioned that he could even end up in the division next season. Um, but, you know, and I, I did ask him too. I said, you know, this is where you wanted to be because you wanted to play with Deshaun. And he was like, I do, you know, Deshaun's my boy. I want to play with Deshaun, but I have to go somewhere uh, where they believe in me. And I don't feel like they believe in me here. And so we'll see where this ends up going. But, you know, we don't have any comment from Kevin or Joe Woods or Chris Kiffin on this because Joe Woods had already talked and we don't have Kevin or Chris Kiffin until tomorrow. I gave the, the club an opportunity to see if they wanted to, you know, respond to this in any way. And, you know, I was basically told, you know, just, you know, talk to them tomorrow. But yeah, this was, oh, and this is an important point that needs to be made. He was very adamant about the fact that this is not Miles Garrett's fault. He doesn't even think Miles knows that sometimes he's being switched off of, of a guy. Uh, it's just how Jadavian feels about it. And he said it might be, you know, his beef is not at all with, um, with Miles. He said that, you know, I get along with, you know, with everybody that I play with and I have no problem with him whatsoever. And so I think that's some, a very important thing to note. Yeah, for sure. Doug, you know, uh, the stories like this, you know, Mary Kay was mentioning, I don't want this to be the reason he doesn't come back. When, when it's a guy like Jadavion, I always look at it like he's 30 years old. He's been in the league since 2014. He knows the game at this point. You know, this isn't some rookie. This isn't some guy who never taught. He knows the game. He knows when that recorder's out, what he's saying matters. Um, so whatever he said, he meant to say it. And, and there's a reason that, that he put it out there, whatever that is, there's a reason he was willing to stand there and, and tell it to Mary Kay, uh, on Thursday. Mary Kay, to your, to your, to your knowledge, do you know if anyone in Jadavion's family posted a video in conjunction <laughs> with this interview? Because no. to me, it's just another happy Cleveland Brown superstar. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kev's world. Is everybody happy and getting along? Oh, no. The most productive, most veteran guys who are supposed to be getting the Browns over the top are unhappy. Whoa, there's a shock. How'd that happen? Not great. You know, and again, as we got into the interview, I asked him, so are you totally fine? And, you know, and, and just so people understand this part of it, for the most part, we don't really have to ask, Hey, are you okay with me writing this? Because if you, you know, generally, if you're standing talking to a guy at his, at his locker, you know, most of the time, you know, you're interviewing him. I mean, unless it's completely 100% clear that you're not, and you don't have anything, um, you know, with you. But, um, so, but I did, I asked him, I said, are you cool with me writing this? And he was like, yeah, I, I'm totally cool with you writing this. And, uh, and I, I was even telling you guys before we came on that Dearness was right there next to him, you know, listening to him talk to me. And I know he heard, um, I think it's even somewhere on my tape where Dearness is like, whoa, you're unloading today or, or something like that. You know what I mean? Where Dearness was like, oh my God, like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, he, he knew that this was, um, you know, some pretty intense stuff that, that, Jadavian was saying and you know so, some of it that you know there are a few things that you know that I I didn't use that you know just seemed like were sort of a little bit you know out there somewhat and so um you know I think like I said we have a responsibility we have to be um you know we have people's careers and lives and money in our hands sometimes and you have to be responsible with how you handle it and so I, I tried to be very responsible uh, with this story and, um, you know, and get things in there, like to make it sure that he wasn't trying to 100% throw Joe Woods under the bus, because I don't even know if he thinks that it is Joe Woods that that is the person that is is responsible. He was a little bit vague about that. Um, he does feel like Andrew Barry, who has signed him in each of the last two years sees his value and his merit 
And he, he does plan to try to talk to Andrew Barry about this after the season in his exit meeting. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to see where this will go. But to, to, to your point, Dan, when you're a veteran like this, you do this with a purpose. This is not like, oh, I mean, sometimes, you know, guys put themselves in spots that they don't mean. And this is not that. This is guys with a purpose. There's like my little journalism story. It's not my story because I would never be good enough to do this. But when I very briefly as a young reporter covered the Chicago Bulls, uh, Scotty Pippen was unhappy. And he had a trusted beat writer that he was talking to about being unhappy. And it was always off the record. It wasn't ready for publication yet. And there was a, a particular first half that went poorly. And the reporter was standing in the hallway as Pippen went past. And Pippen looked at him, looked at him and said, write it. And it was like the guy was like, all right, uh, we've been having these conversations. I know how you feel. You were not ready to make it public. And now you are. So this is this is Mary Kay's version of write it for a reason with a purpose by a veteran. So as Mary Kay said, everybody needs to understand that. Yeah, I, you know, sometimes you'll sometimes a rookie will say something stupid and not realize what it'll do, but. You know, these guys, by the time they've been in the league forever and done a million press conferences and even, even Jadavian, who's not like a regular media person, um, like a weekly guy, he knows he knows the game. Ashley, your thoughts when, when you I so we were we were recording the prop segment and then we we stopped that segment. We were going to go do picks. And then we we both got the alert from Mary Kay that she had tweeted the story and you like reacted to the headline almost immediately. Yeah, I did. I mean, it was, it just is very, I think, definitive from Jadavian. And it's kind of like him saying what we have theorized, like might be the, the issues or some issues that he was having here. Um, and I think like we've said already, it's when a veteran guy says something like this, it is, for a reason. They know what they're doing. They have a goal in mind. There's a reason that they are sharing this with you. Um, and I think he had very clear messages that, again, are all in Mary Kay's story, and you have to go read it. There's a lot in there, a lot of good quotes from Jadavian. And I always think, you know, with him in particular, we talk about this all the time. I think he is maybe the most, for better and worse, brutally honest guy you were going to find in that locker room. Um, I think his personality adds something to that locker room. But I think when he talks to us, most of the time, he's he's not going to hold back. He's been around long enough, and he's been through a lot in his career, um, especially when he, you know, when he talks about that microfracture surgery he had very early on in his career. I think that really changed his perspective and his philosophy of how he views the game, how he views his career. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, like he feels lucky to have come back from that. So like, if he's unhappy somewhere or wants to go somewhere else or think that thinks there's another opportunity out there for him, he knows how fragile this game is. These careers are. And I think he's going to do what he can to make that happen for himself. And if this is part of it, then this is part of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely some quotes in here from him that I don't think you will hear quotes of this magnitude from, from anyone else in this locker room. So Mary Kay, and maybe the answer to this is there isn't one, but what is the scenario where Davion Clowney is a Cleveland Brown next year? Oh my God. Well, I think his 95% now like <laughs> really is about, uh, you know, what, um, you know, what it would probably be. Um, but I, you know, I think he really did know that and believe that and feel that way. He's, he's been so frustrated all season long. He doesn't want to go through this again. Um, but as he mentioned, hey, <laughs> one of his quotes was, there could be changes. Maybe they won't be back and I will, right? Um, and we don't know the answer to that question yet. Uh, the, I, I have, you know, heard so many different things and so much speculation about Joe's going to come back. Joe's not going to come back. Is Joe Woods going to get fired? Is he not? Um, so I don't know where that's going to go yet. I've, I'm on record as saying I would not fire Joe Woods. I would support him with um, an assistant head coach defense, or I would bring somebody else in, maybe get another pair of eyes on it. I would not do that. Um, as far as Jadavian is concerned, I had been advocating uh, that they do re-sign him, 
but I, I, I think the ship probably had already sailed. I think he felt it enough. I think there, there was enough, enough, um, sort of bad blood this season that it probably was going to be headed this way anyways. So I don't really think he's going to be back. I think he's 95% gone the way that, that he handicapped it. Anybody have anything else to add about, uh, about JD here before we move on? Yeah. Will he be on the field Sunday? Oh, that's good. You know what? It's, that's a really good question. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see again. I thought it was very interesting that he admitted to me that he basically took himself off the field in, in the Baltimore game, except for on third down. And I went back and looked and there it is. He only played 22% of the snaps in Baltimore. And now we know why Taven Bryan started at defensive end that game. And then they kind of had to switch it up. So when something like that happens in a football game, especially uh, in still a meaningful football game, um, you know, you're probably headed for a parting of the ways after the season, right? I mean, it's hard to come back from something like that. So I think, you know, that right there is almost a scorched earth situation. But there is a chance. I mean, there is a chance. He could, that, he could be, it could be the Miles Garrett situation where he doesn't yeah. play the first series or something too. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see how, you know, what they decide to do with it. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I think, I think it's kind of unfortunate that it came to this because, um, you know, because he had to, um, you know, I think he, I think he's a good player. I think he's a really good player. When he is out there, he makes a difference. He makes an impact and he makes a difference. But I think now, the Browns are going to be looking at finding at least one new potentially starting edge rusher in the offseason. Yeah, we're going to have lots of time to talk about this in the offseason, but um, they, I, I think they need two. If, if Jadavion's not on the roster, I think they need to add two. But we'll save that for the offseason. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, still coming up here on the podcast, we're going to have prop bets. We're going to have Lance Reisland. And we're going to have game picks. Uh, so coming back, it's going to be me. It's going to be Doug. It's going to be Ashley. And it's going to be Irie. And then Mary Kay will rejoin us for game picks uh, right after the break. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's prop bet time. Irie Harris joins Doug, Ashley, and me. And we're going to give you our favorite prop bets for this game. I got to ask you, has anybody, has anybody waded into the Ohio sports gambling yet? I wouldn't say wait. I would say dive head first and hit my head <laughs> on the bottom. That's I, I have discovered this is actually bad. See, this is why they have the phone numbers for what I'm yeah. about to, to say. Yeah. I've discovered this prop bet NHL goal in the first 10 minutes. It's, it's kind of fun. Oh, so, so you only so have you, to watch 10 just, minutes of hockey, which yeah, is all anybody and, wants to watch of hockey. And by the way, I haven't cared about <clears throat> hockey as much as I did the other night watching the last, like, watching between 12 and 10 minutes of wh- whoever the L.A. Kings were playing. Wow. Oh, buddy, the Kings got me a goal. Good but, job, uh, Dan. Yeah. So it's just, Dan- it's just the, free, it's the free bets to this point. I think once those are out, uh, I'm probably out on this. But I'm telling you, a free, goal in the first 10 minutes. There's a whole website that tracks it. It's great. So poor Dan has to sit next to me every day. And he has to hear me every day talk about, I don't know, I'm just worried about once I get into this, I'm not going to stop because I think I'm smarter. Like, and my, it's not, I told, I've told Dan this many times already. I will not bet on the outcome of games because I don't trust myself. I've learned this year. I'm horrible at picking games and too much is at stake. But what I've discovered from doing this lovely, lovely podcast each week is that I'm pretty spot on for like individual performances and the prop bets. So I feel like, I don't know, Ashley might take some of those free bet deals that are going on right now and and make some individual guesses here. But I'm still too afraid to bet on the outcome of games because I'm just convinced I would lose and it would be bad. But I have a shopping habit that I'm trying to feed here. So mm. we, we're going to wade into the waters a little bit, I think. There is no better reason to become a gambling addict <laughs> because you're a shopping, a shopping addict. addict. Exactly. <laughs> I need... 
to but feed here's the other problem that. is I have watched The Sopranos many times, and I don't want to be yeah. like Davy in the tent in the sporting goods store at the end of this is the problem. Yeah, but that's the whole thing. But but the, the apps don't come for you. The apps True. aren't named. They don't. There's no, no Polly Walnuts, the app. FanDuel, FanDuel's not going to come and turf your front yard. And yeah. take me to the Pine Barrens. Oh, no, you're fine. Brutal, guys. That's the whole thing. That's why here. you can do it now. That's yeah, a you great, just that's lose a all your point, money yeah. normally. Yeah. Like yeah. A normal person loses all their money. I mean, I mean, for, you know, when they're giving you, hey, we'll, we'll double your money if Ohio State scores one point in this basketball game tonight. What could go wrong? Oh, you made that bet? So did I. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you, right? Uh, the the my problem normally my stupidity is my is what holds me back because I'm an idiot. I don't know. But my problem right now is I don't know if you guys heard, but I picked the exact score of the Ohio State Georgia game. <laughs> and so now in this brief, very brief window, right when gambling is legal, I think I'm smart, which is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. So I'm in deep trouble. Anyway. All right. So all that being said, um, let's get some prop bets. Irie, we're going to let you go first here because I know you've got a hard out coming up. So let's have you give us uh, your first prop bet uh, for this Browns-Steelers game on <clears throat> Sunday at, yes, I got to say it. I apologize. Acrisure Stadium. Yeah, I, I'm still not used to saying that. I'm not going to be. I'm still going to call it Heinz. I, I don't care. Catch a field it is for the win. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to start off nice and simple with the prop bev. Let's go on to small hands. Kenny Pickett, the over on it right now regarding his touchdowns is one and a half. I'm going to go with the over because I do not trust his Brown secondary, even the smidge bit, even with some of the more improvements within recent games. At this point, it seems like it's going to be, you know, a dark day at this point for Joe Woods. Um, and I just don't think that the secondary will be able to come. I think the Steelers will come with enough energy offensively, you know, Browns had their number the last time they played, but I bet you Pickett is going to go off a bit, and that chemistry between him and Pickett will definitely be seen quite a bit on uh, on Sunday. And I mean, he's had too many games where it's just one touchdown. I think why not, you know, go with the extra over? So I'm going to give him two for Sunday. Well, Irie, you are wrong. This is actually the this was actually mine. I shouldn't Ouch. have let you go yes. first. Dan was so I, excited. I was going to take the under. One and wow. a half touchdowns for something you just referenced. Kenny Pickett has literally never thrown more than one touchdown in a in a football game. Like I, he has uh, played many football games to this point in the NFL, and he has not thrown more than one touchdown in any of those games. And the Browns' defense is playing; they've done pretty well against guys who are not elite quarterbacks. They've done a pretty good job against them. Uh, in see, the second yeah. half. Okay. All right. All right. I like that. The second half. Um, I'm sorry for taking the bet. I did not know. I would have definitely gone further in and made my own one up to let you have this. But I will just say this. Um, I don't not try. I mean, you saw you speak about elite quarterbacks. Then they allowed the Patriots backup and Bailey Zappi, Doug's new favorite quarterback, to go off for like 300 plus yards and like three touchdowns against his team. And if you speak of Pickett never having a game where he's had more than one touchdown, wouldn't it be fitting for him to do it against his Browns team the way that this season has gone? Wouldn't it just be fitting something he's never done to do it against this unit, against this team? Yes. Yes, it would. But that that New England game was so long ago. Like, that was that was the bad Browns defense, Doug. That was, that was the Browns defense that couldn't stop anybody that was letting Austin Eckler, not Austin Eckler's good, but the Chargers don't like to run the ball. They were letting the the Chargers double their rushing total in one game. I I think, I think there's still some pride from these guys, whether, whether it's, I don't think it's to save Joe Woods' job, but I just think there's some pride in in this secondary that's left. And look, the Browns defense playing a meaningless game. We saw it against Carson once. They can be pretty good when there's no stakes. I missed you guys. They can be good when there's no stakes. So I think that's possible. Just again, I've been out of the loop a little bit. The Browns defense is good now. Is that right? The Browns defense is good. I do want to point out the odds on this on the under are really bad. It's, it's minus 225 uh, for the under, plus 165 for the over. 
So, if, I mean, if you are going to bet this one, you do it because you believe he's going to go the over because I, I don't know if there's much value taking the under. Yeah. Um, do we? How much do we think motivation plays into this game, Dan? Right? Because the Steelers care and the Browns aren't playing any for anything other than pride. Is there is there a way that that swings? This? The Browns play loose. The Steelers play tight. The, the Steelers play with purpose. The Browns are thinking about Acapulco. Like, do we, how do we factor any of that into what we're thinking here for prop bets or the game pick? I, I don't see this team like quitting. I, I think they do want to, I, I think they're going to get riled up enough to maybe be the team that helps keep Pittsburgh out of the playoffs. Um, I, I don't know that NFL teams, I'm, I'm sure you could find some cases of this. Generally, I don't think NFL teams just outright quit. So I, I would expect that they're going to show up and and they're going to play well. And they, and they have been, I mean, they forced 11 turnovers since week 13. Now, that's come against Kyle Allen and Tyler Huntley. And, you know, Joe Burrow beat him pretty good. But Kenny Pickett's not Joe Burrow. Carson Wentz. Um, Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill. So the quarterbacks they've played have been bad. So that's why I'm not completely convinced this defense is like, oh, you got to keep Joe Woods now fixed. But I think against Kenny Pickett, I just don't see Kenny Pickett lighting this defense up. No, I, I think that makes sense. And then I write maybe Najee Harris lights him up, but that I don't think the Steelers are going to say we need to ride Kenny Pickett into the playoffs. So I, I think that might contribute to it too, right? You want to keep a governor on this guy. You want to keep, you want to, you want good Kenny. You want to eliminate bad Kenny. And so maybe that means a, a game plan that doesn't allow him to be throwing a bunch of touchdowns. Ira, you were going to say something, then Ashley, I want to hear what you think of this. Well, I, I was going to mention that. Yes, that's very true. I don't expect, even though I mentioned the, the over regarding two touchdowns for pick. I don't expect him to go off for three hundred passing yards. I don't think. That's the type of game that we'll be seeing from you know, the, the Steelers' point of view. It'll definitely be you know a balance of this will be complimentary, but it won't be a, a sense of them holding their end of the bargain for a shootout. I just believe that in certain moments during the series, there will be an open road, an open moment where Pickett can get that you know touchdown in, whether it's the first half or the second half. I, this Brown secondary just does not, as a whole, fully hold up for me. Uh, Najee Harris, it could be his day. I mean, he has performed quite well, but a little bit more underachieving this season compared to expectations. So, yeah, they're definitely going to touch his run defense out. But in the end of it, it'll be, as Mike Tomlin said, Kenny F. and Pickett. Ashley, over under one and a half touchdowns for Kenny Pickett. You already convinced me of this earlier today. I'm also going <laughs> to take the under. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it, and I just don't. I don't know. I'm, I think that this might be a Najee Harris game. I think when we've looked at this team this year, like, and, and we talk about the defense getting better, it's the pass defense that's gotten better, I think, more than – and the pass defense wasn't as much of a problem this year as it was early in the season last year in the first place. Um, but they stopped having those big breakdowns. And I don't know. I just think knowing the Steelers, like I think grit, I think yeah, we're not going to rely on Kenny Pickett to be throwing us a bunch of touchdowns here. Um, and he hasn't done that yet. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the under here and say he'll maybe have a touchdown throw. Doug, did you make a pick? Uh, I'll go under as well. Okay. Doug, you're up. It's been a while. We haven't gotten to hear a prop bet from you. So it's so much easier to look when you just have the apps that function in Ohio on your phone. So it's easier to find the prop bets. And I found one that I like. And it is part of what I believe to be a long con by Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski. Because if you remember, there was a time when this offense for the Browns, the Cleveland Fighting Browns, was known for scoring a touchdown on the first drive of the game. In fact, some would say that's all this offense could do. It was, I don't know if people remember those days. While Jacoby Brissett was starting, the Browns scored a touchdown on their first drive in six of 11 games, including the last three that Brissett played, four of the last five, and five of the last seven. Since Deshaun Watson has been the starting quarterback, here's what the Browns have done on their first drive. Punt, 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 stopped on downs, punt. So they have been increasing the odds on this bet. And right now, the Browns to score a touchdown on their first drive are plus 390. 
and they have not done it yet. And what would be more appropriate? Oh, everybody. Now, to be fair, I was driving back from Atlanta last week. I didn't watch the game. I don't know what happened. I don't know what they did. This is what I know about last week's game. After the first half, Dan sent a text because I am a tech subscriber that had the words offense and embarrassing in the same text. And I think Ashley might have also sent a text with those words as well, offense and embarrassing. And I was like, those Browns. And then the second half, everybody's like, now they're great. So I know everybody's all excited now because, wow, one good half of offensive football from Deshaun Watson. Sign me up for next year's Super Bowl, everybody. Plus 390. Touchdown on the first drive. Wouldn't it be perfect? Go out. Maybe they'll score a touchdown on every drive in this meaningless game against their rival. So I think, like, it's weird, right? Six of 11 with Jacoby, none. 0 of 5 with Deshaun on the first drive. If they carry over the momentum of last week's second half against Washington, they take that into Pittsburgh, boom, you're making 39 bucks, 49 total on your $10 bet. Or if you use the free bet thing, you're making your more. Maybe make more money. Plus 390, Dan, I think that's pretty good odds. Because there would have been a time earlier this year where that those odds probably would have been like plus 180 or something. Because it's like, oh, first drive touchdown, that's automatic. It's Kev. It's Kev with a week to prepare. So I like this. I actually like this bet because I think the odds are pretty good. Yeah, uh, they they used to be awesome on first drives. Like Miami, I remember Miami looked like they were going to go down there and just destroy the Dolphins, and then, well, things went sideways. I mean, there there's so many other games where they looked great. Doug, this is what you missed in that game. So Deshaun Watson, there was this play, takes hmm. a snap. He's running around, rolling out, looking for a receiver, looking to make a great Deshaun Watson play, and he sees somebody. He sees a receiver, and he throws the ball to Jack Conklin. <laughs> He's not a receiver. No. <laughs> oh, I miss the Browns. Now, to Jack Conklin's credit, he immediately dropped the ball because, yeah. first of all, he doesn't want to get killed. And secondly, I'm sure there would have been some sort of penalty had he caught it. But there was a penalty anyway because he was ineligible. And I don't know. It was a mess. But they turned it around in the second half. Uh, Congratulations so what, to the Browns. Yeah, what, what was it? Plus 390? Plus 390. Yeah, well, it's for, not bad because it's the bet of like what will they do on their first drive. So I would take touchdown is plus three ninety. Yeah, I I would take that. Ashley, are you back on the Kevin Kevin scripted play wagon? I don't know. That first drive was just such a nightmare <laughs> last week. Um, I'm gonna say no. I don't. I don't know. I just feel like. It's bad news for the Browns, and I'm going to talk about this more when we get to picks. Like, we've heard all week that, yeah, T.J. Watt looks like T.J. Watt. That's going to be a problem. Um, They might not have Jack Conklin. We don't know about that yet, but he hasn't practiced. So um, we could be potentially looking at somewhat of a repeat of last year and having James Hudson III having to kind of take the brunt of that matchup, and he hasn't gotten a ton of playing time this year. So... I am a little bit nervous about this offense running seamlessly, um, even though they do have Deshaun Watson. And even though, hey, I don't know, maybe they're putting things together in flashes. Um, I just don't have the same confidence in that first scripted drive as I did before. If anything, I maybe have more confidence in them later in games now, which that, that might be good because before all they were good at was the first scripted drive. So maybe they're expanding their horizons and some of the badness has just translated to the first drive now. Yeah, I guess there is a bigger question here. Would you rather have a quarterback who kind of struggles a little bit early and just figures it out as the game goes on or a quarterback that can only operate on script effectively? Um, I think we saw last week you want the latter, right? But Or no, the former. Which is it? Former? Latter? Former. You want the former. Yeah, yeah. you want there the former, go. which is I was the guy an English, who's I was an English ladder. major, by the way. Um, yeah. Irie... Do you like the uh, the opening drive touchdown for the Cleveland Browns in Pittsburgh? Nope, I don't. They'll be in a house of fours. Uh, this O line will maybe wake up drives, you know, from the second drive on to the rest of the game. But within the first within the first series, they're more than likely probably fail Watson multiple times while they tried. Well, he had to scramble while Stefanski is wanting to establish the pass. And and when they realize that Nick Chubb is their only hope within carrying the offense, such similar to last week, they'll still not do it because Stefanski likes to make a point of establishing the pass and be able to score off of that. So I'm going to say no to this. 
what if see this feels like doug this feels like one of those free bet ones though like if you if you're sitting on one Mm. of those i'm just telling you if you're sitting on one of those free bets like eh, this might be a good one to to throw it on so the first drive ends in a punt is minus 125 so that's the most likely thing touchdown is plus 390 field goal attempt is plus 390 this other one might be actually the best bet plus 425 is turnover safety or turnover on downs which turnover on downs is pretty tasty like hey it's fourth and three from the 26 let's go for this thing and have it not work that maybe almost feels better than the touchdown maybe i'll bet both (laughs) doug you know what other moment you would have liked when the browns made a field the browns made a field goal there was a penalty on the field goal attempt that moved them to the four. It was like the three or the four. So of course they took the points off the board to go for it. And they ran this draw play that wasn't even close. Oh, these guys. (laughs) Oh man. I came home and I did catch up on some of my other TV that I missed. I watched that last, the last episode of uh, Fleischman is in trouble, but I did not watch the last episode of Stefanski and Woods are in trouble. So I should have watched that. That's my bad. Woods is in trouble. Ooh, what's going to happen here? Is his wife going to come back? I don't know. We'll have to see. Woods is in trouble next on Hulu. Ashley, is the next season of White Lotus going to be just in Berea? Oh, my gosh. That would be... Brown so Lotus? <laughs> yeah. I don't want it to be in a not exotic location, but it would be, I don't know, the drama in Berea typically is HBO worthy, in my opinion. Berea is beautiful in, in the summer. Hot. A little bit, <laughs> little bit hot. Not a lot of water. Just a tad. Not yeah. a lot of water around, which is a noted problem. Okay. Ashley, what have you got for us? Yeah, I was looking at a few of these, and I think right now I'm going to go with looking at the Najee Harris over-under for rushing yards set at 73.5. And, and, and based on what I said earlier about Kenny Pickett, I'm going to take the over on this. I think maybe the Steelers – lean into Najee here against the Browns and try to get something going on the ground. And looking at his last five games, I mean, he would have hit the over in that in, in three of the last five uh, against the Ravens. He had 33 rushing yards um, and against the first game against the Ravens, uh, this last most recent game against the Ravens from this past week, he had 111 rushing yards um, and the Raiders, he had 53 rushing yards, but I just I feel like this is going to be the way to try to grit out a win against this defense. So I'm going to bet on Mike Tomlin kind of taking advantage of the the weakness of this Browns defense for most of the year, which is stopping the run. Irene, you got to get out of here. So what do you think of this one? I am quite tempted to agree uh, because it's become trend. Uh, multiple players have mentioned that this run defense is, is exposed. So because of that, opposing teams, uh, teams are going to attack that off the bat. Uh, so I think that Najee Harris won't go crazy off, but I think he'll slightly, just slightly hit that number. I think he'll be very productive with the multiple moments where he can hit that number. So I'm going to go on with Ashley and agree with that. Doug, I feel like the Steelers are a team that are not going to give up on trying to run the ball against this Browns defense. We've seen some teams that are kind of watching the game, and you're like, what? What are you guys doing? Why did you stop running all of a sudden? The Ravens, for example, when Tyler Huntley was playing quarterback. Um, I don't know that the Steelers are going to do that. I think if they get that run game going and they get Najee going, it could be a real problem for this team. It's been a bit of a weird year for Najee. He's gone over that total in five of the last eight games. He's, he's, he certainly has not been great. If you The last few games, his yards per carry, 5.0 last week against the Ravens, which is actually pretty good. 3.3, 3.6, 2.8, 5.1, 3.5 in the five games previous to that. So they have not been dominant in the run game this year, but they have tried. I mean, he still gets up to – he has more than 20 carries in uh, – for the last eight games, right? So I do think they'll try. Are we still at the point where the lead back for the opposition, their rushing yard total over is like an auto bet against this Browns defense? Or have we backed off that because they've become more competent against the run lately? 
I don't know if they've become more competent. Uh, so last week, Brian Robinson, 24 carries for 87 yards, which is fine. Uh, Jonathan Williams ran for 30. Terry McLaurin ran for 12. Um, I don't know. I think they've gotten better, but I still think like 73 and a half, if the Steelers are really committed to running the football, that seems pretty solid to me. I, I, I wouldn't be scared of that. Like 20 carries for 75 yards is not a great day at the office, but would win the bet. And I think them trying to run it 20 times with him makes sense. So I think this is good. I agree with Ashley. Take the over on this. Okay. I, uh, yeah, I think I like the over on this too. At seven. So yeah, like you said, 20 carries, 75 yards. Sure. Of course that's going to happen. Uh, okay, so there we go. Prop bets for this game. Irie had to jump off. He did send me his pick, so we're going to have that for you. Mary Kay is going to be joining us uh, in time to make our picks, um, so you're going to get to hear her as well make her pick for this game. But before we do all of that, let's hear from Lance Riceland, who's going to give you a full scouting report on the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's coming up after the break. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Now it's time for Lance Reisland's scouting report on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Lance, your very first point, I think, is where everyone needs to start when they talk about the Steelers and their defense, and that is one T.J. Watt. Obviously missed some time this year, but he's been back. Probably coincides a lot with the Steelers' turnaround. Uh, when you watch T.J. Watt, what are you seeing? Well, he's, we've talked about this for Miles Garrett. He's an absolute game wrecker, so they're going to have to account for him on every passing down uh, anytime they run the ball he you know he's he's a little bit different in terms of he lines up on the right side as most people are the blind side line up on the left he lines up on the right side which is going to be Conklin possibly Hudson if Conklin can't go uh he's an absolute destroy I mean he is a wrecker I mean he is very much like Miles Garrett when he has those games in terms of he will cause tackle for losses he will get strip sacks he will uh he's a one-man crew rarely in football do you have those guys that can absolutely wreck a game and the thing about him, now he adds, he makes Cam Hayward better. He makes Highsmith better. So now you have a really good defensive line. I love Okunjobi's playing well. Uh, Montrevious Adams is a big, heavy guy, a guy, those D tackles that I like. So he now, a defensive line that was very good, he now makes them elite because the focus has to be on him. And he's that good. The guy I love on that line, obviously TJ Watt, but Cam Hayward, he's been doing it for so long. And, you know, you talk about, you talk about game records. I mean, Cam Hayward's still got a little bit of that in him too, but he's just been so solid in, in the middle of that line for so long. And I think he brings, he almost brings the personality to, to that defense. I think like that's, that's kind of who they are is kind of based around Cam Hayward. Well, yeah. When you think about the Steelers over the last, you know, in terms of football, two or three decades, he kind of epitomizes what they are. They're tough. They're hard nosed. Uh, they did a little different front against, um, the Ravens last week, you know, they're this odd front that everybody's running. The Steelers are really the, not to say the inventors, but they're the ones that made it really good. And they started making it good for decades ago. And they, um, with going back to Harrison and those guys, and he kind of epitomizes, he can play on the nose. He can play at the end. He's a good pass rusher. Uh, he's the defensive tackle I like because he's going to take on a double and he's going to stay in his gap. And he does not move, but uh, that allows those guys behind him to run free and they're all like that. It's a very, very good defensive line. And he, you're right, his attitude is what carries over the rest of those guys. So you mentioned their front. And one of the things you mentioned is their five- and six-man fronts. Uh, explain that to me and kind of explain how the Browns um, have to attack that. Well, they, they're, no, they're known for their, uh, their odd front. So they, they do a lot of where they like to cover the center and they're going to cover the guards or they're going to be in that gap between the guard and tackle center and they're going to be in that odd front and they create a lot of tough matchups, uh, especially in the zone. Uh, then this past week, they went actually to a six-man front uh, against the Ravens where they had uh, Highsmith and uh, Watt on the outside and they had four big boys inside. Uh, and they were kind of head up to in the gaps and they were just anchoring in there, stopping in the run. The reason I think uh, what will be successful with the Browns is to run that gap scheme. The gap scheme allows you to take the rules off a little bit. Now, you still want to do double teams in the gap uh, gap scheme, but as compared to the zone scheme, the zone scheme is very uh, it's very scientific. It's There's two guys for two guys, and you have to see which way they're coming off and who's coming off, where in the gap scheme you can come off the ball running. 
and you're looking for a double team, but basically you're stepping with your inside foot and it takes a lot of rules and regulations off. Um, and I think that'll really help the Browns because there's just too many guys in there. They're not going to get many double teams. Um, and I think the defensive line is too good to block one-on-one consistently for a whole game. And when you gap it, just block everybody down. And then you get those big guys pulling around and the Ravens did a really good job of that. So I look for them to run that gap scheme more than their uh, inside outside zone this week. Now I feel this is like, this has been sort of a flaw in the Steelers defense for, you know, a couple of years. It's been a little up and down, but their pass defense uh, is vulnerable. And just, you know, just to top it off, Minka Fitzpatrick has not practiced yet this week as he deals with that ankle injury that he suffered, I believe it was right near the end uh, of that Baltimore game. Uh, so we'll kind of get a better idea of his status later in the day on Friday. But tell me a little bit about this secondary and why you think the Browns can have success against it. Well, I like Levi Wallace and I like Cam Sutton. They're solid, but they're, I think with the level that Cooper's playing at and DPJ's getting to that level, I think it's a matchup the Browns have the advantage where I'm not sure if they have the advantage inside in the run game. I do think they have the advantage outside. The matchup I really like is inside. Um, Arthur Millette is their nickelback, and he is the typical nickelback that kind of gets his nose dirty. He's kind of like Delpit. Uh, he gets well, he's really successful down on the line of scrimmage, but he does suffer in, in in pass coverage. And he got beat last week for a touchdown. And I watched a couple games from you know throughout the year. Uh, he's just a very aggressive guy, and his mistakes are aggressive. But if the Browns can get Najoku lined up on him, at, you know from the tight end spot, or even get Cooper at two and three uh, or Najoku, that's a matchup that they can take advantage of, especially if they're going to load the box with six, seven, eight guys, which I think they're going to do. That's what they did against the Ravens. I think, and the Browns run the ball, everybody's good as the Ravens. So I think they're going to see a lot of six, seven, eight-man boxes. And they got to, I, I like all the matchups, but wherever Millette's at, they need to find him and tack him in the pass game. Okay, let's move to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Najee Harris is coming off probably his best game of the season, certainly his highest yardage total, 22 carries, 111 yards, uh, averaged 5.05 yards per carry. You know, he's actually been – his receiving numbers are down a little bit this year, but he's always been a guy who, who's been dangerous in the passing game. A couple weeks ago in Vegas, he had six for 42. Uh, so we know that's that's in him. But tell me about this run game and how the Browns have to attack it. Well, it's all zone. So they ran – so last week they ran one one-back power. That was it. Uh, everything else was an inside – it was an inside zone or a split zone where – uh, the way to explain a split zone is that usually the quarterback is reading that backside end. In the split zone, they're just bringing a guy across the formation to block the end. So it's just inside zone, but you're blocking the backside read. And so they run in split zone, and they ran outside zone, and that was it. They didn't do much. They ran a couple jet sweeps, but they were running zone away. Um, they ran a couple jet sweeps. I also really like Jalen Warren. Uh, Warren. He stuck out to me uh, in film, and they do some cool stuff with him in the slot with Harris uh, at tailback where he gets some jet sweeps. But he runs really hard. He kind of fits that Steelers bill of running very hard, being very tough. I um, mean, they had, they, they had a 34 carries for 187 yards last week combined between those two. Uh, and it was old school um, physical Steelers football where it was downhill, one cut, inside zone, outside zone. But even their outside zone, they were putting one foot in the ground and getting in B and C gap. It was just a very physical, fast uh running game and it's amazing but that's what we talked about last week with like turnovers and players and momentum having Watt back gives them such a different level of confidence and it it carries over to their offense now obviously Kenny Pickett has been a story this week after he uh, put together that game-winning drive uh, against the Ravens Uh, he's had a couple of those this season um you know I'm not sure exactly what what I think of Kenny Pickett as, as a quarterback long term I think it says something about a guy when he's able to on Sunday night football in a division game lead a team down the field at, at the same time his numbers don't blow you away what do you see from Kenny Pickett and, and what do the Browns have to do against him we right he did make a he did make a couple good throws in that last drive made a really good throw made a good throw scrambled and fire moves but made a really good throw to Sims uh, and then it scramble Harris for the touchdown. So he did. And you're right. There's something to be said about taking that ball at the end of the game and scoring. So he was 15 to 27, 168 kind of meh kind of numbers. Uh, the thing that he does, he's very, you can tell he's very young because uh, he gets out of the pocket very quick. And a lot of his success came on scrambles. So I think for the Browns to have success, you know, everybody's answer is always pressure a young guy. And I think that's part of it. But one of the things they got that really hurts a young guy is make him stay in the pocket and go through a progression. 
So make him get to the second, third receiver because by the time he does that, he's not he's not his feet get real antsy and his feet start to start to move. So I look for the Browns to mix it up, heat him up because that's important too. But also play coverage and uh, rush four, rush three, and see if he can make those reads. Keep him in the pocket because if you look at all his big plays, his um, his throws he had. I think the for me the only really solid throw from the pocket was the one the Sims on the last drive. The rest of them were coming off. Uh, he doesn't like the first progression, and then he gets out. And there's times when you watch on film where he gets out when he doesn't need to get out. And for me, that tells you that's always a sign of a quarterback. His first progression's not there. There's a panic button, and he leaves. So I think the Browns need to load the box. I think they need to play some man coverage, some zone coverage, mix everything up, um, make it, make him use his, uh, make him use his brain, make him analyze and read entire defense, and get to that third, fourth progression because that's really hard for him to do. Don't let him scramble and use. I think he's a much better athlete than I thought. He's a really good athlete. Make him stay in the pocket, see if he can beat you from there. The weapons on this team are scary. Deontay Johnson, who just double check here, he was back at practice uh, today. Yeah, he was a full participant in practice today. He's got a hip injury, uh, but it looks like he's trending towards playing. George Pickens, uh, certainly as Browns fans know, has a knack for the spectacular catch. You mentioned Fryermuth at tight end. So what what are the Browns dealing with on Sunday? Well, I think Fryermuth is definitely his security blanket. So when he's in trouble, he's looking for uh, Fryermuth. Deontay Johnson is uh, – I'm really looking forward to that matchup. I don't think it's a terrible matchup against Ward and Emerson. I really don't. I think he's good, but he's not super, super long, and super long seems to give them problems at times. I think that's going to be a great matchup, but I think it's a matchup that's down the middle, and I don't think he's going to lose. The, the Pickens, is, Pickens is tough because he's an elite athlete, and when you see him on film, he's only getting better. He's – just now learning how to run those guys who come out of college who are just better than everybody else. They don't run many routes. They run by you and catch it and they're just better. So he's learning how to run routes and learning coverages and learning how to get open at the NFL level, but he's a scary, scary athlete. And then, but in my opinion, they're going to run the ball. And right now the best way to keep that, you know, they have to think that Watson's getting better and better. And the best way we've said it before, the best way to keep it out of Watson's hands is to run the ball. And the way they run the ball, that zone scheme, it's going to be tough for them to touch the ball unless they do some creative stuff on defense. So offensively, those guys are great weapons. I'm not sure if Pickett's the guy that's going to be able to get it to them, like um, to hurt the Browns over and over and over, but they can certainly make plays. But Firemuth is the one for me um, who can keep drives alive. So you've got three, actually more, four exclamation points after this point. Never put the safeties in one-on-one. Why? Well, you know, it's funny because I you're looking at the success. So I'm, I'm working on some Delpit stuff from early in the season to end of the season. And one of the things that the Browns are doing very well and Joe, uh, Woods is doing very well is that they're not isolating him on guys in the slot, whether they be tight ends or receivers, and they're setting him up for success and they're keeping him deep um, and they're giving him help. And when they go man coverage, they're making sure that the matchup is, uh, you know, good for him. Uh, it's not a matchup that the offense can immediately attack. Uh, that's where the Browns get in trouble is when those those safeties are matched up against the best receivers at two and three. Um, I like when the Browns stay deep. When Delpit can play deep, even if he even if he like gives up a, a, a curl or a hitch or a dig, that's okay. He's been given he gave up the home runs early in the in the year, and that's because he was in man coverage. And it's the zone coverage where he has to read different receivers. Right now, he's playing zone and he's getting back and he's got a half. So he doesn't. He's not reading two and three. He's not playing a palms four that they call it, where you're reading the two receiver and there's a bunch of adjustments. He's just kind of playing deep, and that's where he's going to be best. Where he doesn't have, he can use just use it, just use his ability. He doesn't have to make a bunch of decisions. He can just play deep or play at the line of scrimmage and be an athlete. All right, Lance. Last one this year. I don't know if you've been tracking your record. I I have not been. You know, I was. I, it's, it's not great lately. I was good early. I, I got I got all the block. The first two, I was like, actually, almost hit the number. Um, but, but then I I've been cold. You know, I once again I try to stick to matchups, and I want to see the Browns do it again. I got the Steelers in a close one, twenty-one twenty. Uh, all and right, it's, and it's because of that run game. I have been miserable picking games this year, so you are yeah, you I, are not alone. If uh, your record is probably better than mine. <laughs> Uh, all right, our picks are going to come up on the other side. So there you go. You heard. Go with Lance 
fade me when when you make when you make your picks. Uh, those are coming up here on the break, Lance. This is this has been great getting scouting reports from you all season long, and of course we'll have you back on next week to look back on this game. Thanks for the time. As always, thanks for having me. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Lance Reisland for doing those scouting reports every week for us. Uh, make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, uh, just at Lance Reisland. Pretty easy to find. Okay, uh, Irie has left us. He did send us his pick, so we'll get to that. Uh, but Mary Kay is back to make her game pick here for the Browns and the Steelers. So this line has remained pretty steady. I don't think it's moved at all, honestly. Uh, since the first one up, the Steelers are favored by two and a half points at Akershore Stadium. The over-under on this is 40 and a half. That's your total, 40 and a half. So, uh, Doug, again, you haven't been with us for a while, so why don't you lead us off? I have been monitoring the line for strife movement since Mary Kay's story came <laughs> out, and it has not happened yet, but I wonder if it will. It has changed my pick. I have adjusted for strife. And so I didn't ever think the Browns were going to win this. I didn't think they were going to win last week against Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz stinks. I was wrong about that one. However however bad Kenny Pickett is, he's not as bad as Carson Wentz. So I'm going to take the Steelers. I was right around the number. I don't like picking right on the total. So like the 40 and a half is like right where I was. But then I added a strife field goal for the Steelers. That one of those plays where because Chase Winovich or Isaiah Thomas or somebody else is in the game or Jadavion Clowney's in the game and he's thinking about how the Browns don't believe in him and all of a sudden it leads to a Steelers drive that would have been stopped and now leads to a field goal. Instead of 23 to 17, I'm going to go 26 to 17. Steelers trying to win a playoff, trying to get a playoff spot still. And the Browns, by the way, if the Browns, I'm sorry, if, if the Browns had beaten New Orleans, would they be in the playoff race this weekend or no? Yes, I'm. Yeah, too bad for them. I don't, and I think the scenario would have been kind of favorable. I think because the Jets lost. I don't know. I can't do all the math, but yeah, this would have this game would have mattered for sure had the uh, had the Browns beaten the Saints. That's a kick for Browns fans, Doug. That's that's why I came back. (laughs) As bad as this season has been, as many things have gone wrong, if they had beaten the. Thinking Saints in the snow on Christmas weekend, a dome team. If they had beaten that team, they'd be in a playoff race right this very second. What a failure. Uh, what a missed opportunity. All right. So so Doug, I think your score I think your score is too high. I I don't know. I don't first of all, I don't trust the Steelers offense. We mentioned in, in the props that, that Kenny Pickett has yet to throw multiple touchdowns in a game. Um Look at some of these point totals, 16 against Baltimore, 13 against Vegas. Uh, They did score 24 against Carolina, 14 against Baltimore, 19 against Atlanta. One of the props I thought about throwing out was the Pittsburgh team total, which is 20 and a half, maybe taking that under. And since I'm taking the under on Kenny Pickett touchdown passes as well, Maybe a little little parlay. We're talking free bets again here. A little parlay there with the, the Steelers team total under and the Kenny Pickett under. Maybe a little tasty. Uh, anyway, I am going to pick the Steelers to win this game. I think there's a lot of emotion behind it for them. You know, you've got uh, Tamar Hamlin, who's from Pittsburgh, played his college ball at what is now Akershire Stadium. You know, Mike Tomlin was very emotional about that earlier this week. And, of course, it's good that he – it's obviously great news that he's doing better. Um, Cleveland.com slash Bengals, they've been covering that all week. They've been working like crazy uh, covering that story. So head over there and check that out. Um, I think it ma- – obviously, there's the playoff implications. They have a chance to make the playoffs with help. And I think it matters – that they have a chance to make sure Mike Tomlin doesn't have his first losing season. I think that's part of this. I think, I think players really love playing for Mike Tomlin. They love Mike Tomlin. And I started following Mike Tomlin on Instagram and I love Mike Tomlin even more than I did before I started doing that. Just those, the videos he posts and the, you know, look, they're little snippets. They're not, obviously it's all going to be positive stuff, but, I just love the way he interacts with his players and coaches his players. And 
I think that I think it means something to these guys to make sure he doesn't have his first losing season. So I think there's enough emotion there that the Steelers are going to win this game. I think it's going to be low scoring because that's sort of what the Steelers have to do right now. But I'm going to say Steelers 19, so just under that total. Steelers 19, Browns 16. A weird score. Um, so I'm going to take the Steelers to cover. I'm going to take the under. But I think there's enough emotion there to drive the Steelers to a win in this game. Did he follow back? No. Oh, sorry. I know. It's sad. Ashley, do you follow Coach Tomlin on Instagram? You should. No, I don't. It's good. Yeah, I go do go it. I do that. Okay. Um, so Dan took, like, I, I agree 100% with these things. Dan and I have been talking about this all week about it just feels set up emotions wise if we want to turn this into the emotions pod for the Steelers and meanwhile the Browns are sitting over here with really essentially nothing to play for other than wanting to beat a rival which like yeah that could be enough for some teams to get up I just think the Steelers have more on that on this side but I'm going to reiterate something I said in the prep bet segment of our pods which we've heard all week from the Browns that hey, Watt looks like Watt again. We didn't have to worry about him last time. So that's reason number one that I think things are trending towards the Steelers' way. Um, Reason number two, the Browns, we have not seen Jack Conklin practice all week. We also haven't seen Denzel Ward practice all week, but I'm specifically talking about this matchup in the trenches right now because I'm having a little deja vu. And if Jack Conklin can't play, we're likely going to get some James Hudson the third against TJ Watt again. And we know that that did not go so well last year. Now, granted, this offense is different than last year. Um, Alex Van Pelt today basically admitted that, yes, we will have to give James Hudson help, which they famously, famously did not do last year. Um, it became a very major point of contention for Baker Mayfield, who essentially called out the coaching staff in his postgame press conference for not doing that last year. Um, but either way, I still don't think that that is good news for the Browns. And the fact that Kenny Pickett, like Doug said, Kenny Pickett might not be that great, but like he's what led game-winning drives in the last two games, and that's not for nothing in my book. So I'm also going to take the Steelers with another weird-ish score, I guess. I'm going to go Steelers 21, Browns 16. Okay, so that's Steelers to cover. That's the under. Uh, Irie is taking the Steelers 17, Browns 14. He says the House of Horrors will be too much for the Browns as Pittsburgh coasts into a playoff spot. Mary Kay, what do you think? You know what? I was wrong last week. I thought, I actually thought that the commander's defensive line uh, was going to be the difference in that game. And I just did not anticipate that Carson Wentz was going to be as bad as he was and throw three interceptions. So I was wrong last week. And now I feel like I'm going to be wrong again this week uh, because I'm going to pick the Browns to win this football game. And here is why I'm going to pick the Browns to win this football game. Because when I think about this game, I always think about the quarterbacks first. And I'm thinking about Deshaun Watson versus Kenny Pickett. And I've seen Deshaun Watson heat up. Now, he had a bad first half last week, of course. But, you know, I just feel like Deshaun's experience and uh, Deshaun's growing chemistry with Amari Cooper, uh, you know, I think that as long as T.J. Watt doesn't just kill him, and if they do find a way to help out James Hudson, and Deshaun Watson doesn't get himself sacked seven times or eight times or nine times in this game. You know, I think they've got the better, they've got the better quarterback. They've got the more experienced quarterback. And the Browns defense has woken up. And I think they are going to be champing at the bit to try to make a rookie, a rookie quarterback look like a rookie. I mean, if you cannot um, mess up or disrupt the timing of a rookie when you've got the guys that you have on this defense, then you know, then you really have some soul searching to do in the offseason. But they have struggled, of course, against uh, some not great quarterbacks this season. So I, I can't honestly say that it will work out that way. I think it's going to be incumbent upon Miles Garrett to try to have one of those career games. He's going to have to find 
some of those, you know, whatever, put yourself wherever you need to be to wreck the game. Miles is going to have to wreck the game. They have gotten eight interceptions in their last five games, 11 takeaways in, in their last five games. And that's what you need to do as a defense. That's what you need to, that's the defense we all thought they were going to be right from the jump, that opportunistic, take it away defense. And that's what they've been for the last five weeks or so. So I think they've got a lot of pride on the line. I don't know. You guys are right. You guys are right. The Steelers have so much to play for. There's going to be so much emotion, but it's also Deshaun Watson's first game against Pittsburgh and he's going to want to have a nice showing. And I'm going to go with the three-time Pro Bowl quarterback and and just say that I think he's going to finish on a strong note. Deshaun was Deshaun was the one piece that gave me pause. Like, mm-hmm. and, right? That's why you do all this. That's why you go get Deshaun Watson and take all this on because you want to be able to look at a game and say, you know why the Browns are going to win this game? Because they have Deshaun Watson. And he started to look a little bit more like that guy in the second half. Some of those throws that he made, um, especially the one to David Njoku. That was a great throw. Um, mm-hmm. Started to look a little bit more like that guy. And so that, that's why you go get him. Because you want to go into a game against your rival and say, we're going to win this game because we have the better quarterback. I forgot to give you my score. Oh. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, I'm taking the Browns 23-20. to 20. Um. I just feel like, you know, I also think this is a game in which David Njoku has not been able to accomplish much in the last couple of weeks. He's been off. He just has been off. And I think he's got something to prove in this game. I think he needs to step it up. And I kind of think he might do that. And, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, it could go either way. Every single game that they've played this year, it's been – most of them, in my in my opinion, they've been very difficult to pick because the Browns were able to beat any one of these teams or lose to any one of these teams. There there weren't very many games where you were like, oh, I know exactly what's happening here. You know, I mean, there weren't many like Chiefs versus Texans type situations. But I'm going Browns twenty three to twenty. Okay, so that's the uh, the Browns and the over there uh, for Mary Kay. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'll let everyone know how my uh, NHL goal in the first 10 minutes bets are going. I'll keep you all updated on that. Uh, and also, yeah, make sure that you are subscribed to Football Insider, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And like I always tell you, check out our YouTube uh, channel. We put our podcasts up there, but there's also press conference videos. There's practice videos. There's all sorts of stuff going up there. Uh, just search Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com on YouTube to find that. So for Doug, Mary Kay, Ashley, Lance, Irie, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>